We've spoken a lot over these last days about how the essence of our practice is cultivating the mind of non-clinging. There are so many places in the suttas that emphasize this. Nothing whatsoever is worth adhering to. Liberation through non-clinging. Living independently, not clinging to anything in the world. So this morning I want to speak about uh, two arenas of experience where we often do cling. Sometimes we're aware of it, and sometimes there are subtle aspects of our experience where we're not aware that the clinging is happening. And these are the arenas of thought and moods. So when thoughts are very predominant, when they're strong in the mind, when they're repetitive, then we usually do become aware of them at some point. And in those situations, mindfulness of the thought starts with awareness of the content. Is the thought rooted in greed or hatred or delusion? or not, rooted in generosity or love or renunciation. Or we can understand the content of the thoughts in terms of the hindrances. Are they manifesting one of the hindrances or not? And here, (coughs) mindfulness works to be both aware of the fact that we're thinking, but it's also serving to discern (coughs) whether the thought is wholesome or unwholesome. There's one sutta where the Buddha describes a particular technique for working with this discernment with whether the thoughts are skillful or unskillful. And it's something that I think we don't often put into practice, but can serve a very useful function, a very useful skillful means for freeing ourselves or disidentifying from those thoughts that are not skillful not wholesome. I'll just read (coughs) uh, a little bit of this particular sutta. (coughs) Bhikkhus, before my enlightenment, while I was still only an unenlightened bodhisattva, it occurred to me, suppose that I divide my thoughts into two classes. Then I set on one side thoughts of sensual desire, of ill will, 
and of cruelty. And I set on the other side thoughts of renunciation, of goodwill, and of compassion. You might recognize this division as constituting the second step of the Eightfold Path of right thought. As I abided thus diligent, ardent, and resolute, when thoughts of sensual desire arose in me, I understood thus. This thought of sensual desire has arisen in me. This leads to my own affliction, to others' affliction, and to the affliction of both. It obstructs wisdom, causes difficulty, and leads away from Nibbana. When I considered this leads to my own affliction, it subsided in me. So this is the important point. When I considered this leads to my own affliction, this thought subsided in me. When I considered this leads to others' affliction, it subsided in me. When I considered this leads to the affliction of both, it subsided in me. When I considered this obstructs wisdom, causes difficulties, and leads away from Nibbana, it subsided in me. Whenever a thought of sensual desire arose in me, I abandoned it, removed it, did away with it. And he goes on in that same way with thoughts rooted in ill will, thoughts rooted in cruelty. So I found that instructive and effective and a reminder that at times when we're caught in these patterns of thought, when they're strong, we get lost in them. This kind of reflective mindfulness can be a great help. We actually reflect in that moment. This is the cause of affliction for myself, for others, for both. It leads away from Nibbana, away from peace. So we can use that reflection in the time of these unwholesome thoughts to actually have them subside in the mind. Again, taking, taking these words as an instruction to put into practice rather than as a story about the bodhisattva. Then there's another class of thoughts which arise even more commonly in our experience that are not so strong and may not be rooted uh, in desire or ill will, perhaps more rooted in delusion. And these are the quickly passing thoughts that arise so many times throughout the day. They may be very light and we may feel that they're really not disturbing the mind at all. They just come and go. But what I found in my own practice was that even though these thoughts are very light and passing, 
and don't seem to cause much of a disturbance. Still, when they go unnoticed, when we're not aware of them arising in the mind, they are creating a kind of inner mental environment. It may be passing comments about other people or judgments or thoughts about past or future. And what I noticed about these kinds of thoughts when I did become aware of them was that very often they were imbued with a sense of self. They were self-referential in one way or another. And so if we're not aware of them as they arise, then unknowingly we're reinforcing this perspective or this sense of self out of which we're viewing the world. So it would be interesting both in the sitting and the walking and as you move through the day, simply to keep this in mind and keep an eye out for these thoughts that just arise almost in the background, they're passing through very light and yet they're happening. And if we're unaware of them, they are conditioning the mind you know, in some subtle and often unnoticed ways. So all of this is mindfulness of thought with regard to their content. There's another level of being mindful of thought that for me has been one of the most interesting aspects of practice. (coughs) And that is becoming aware not only of the content, but actually investigating the very nature of thought. It's as if we're holding the question in the mind, what is a thought? So this is not about the content so much, but about thought as a phenomenon. And it's very interesting to look directly, just as a thought is happening, when we're aware that it's happening, to look very directly, what is it? And it's so revealing, because we see that when thoughts are unnoticed, when we're unaware that they're arising in the mind and we've become lost in them, They have tremendous power in our lives. They rule our lives. And yet, when we're looking directly at the nature of the thought, what is it? We see that thought as a phenomenon. We see how empty it is. It's nothing more than a little energy blip in the mind. There's nothing much there. So this contrast between the power they have in our lives when they're unnoticed and the freedom that comes from realizing they have no substance at all. 
regardless of what the content is. If we are mindful of it in the moment of its arising. And seeing the emptiness of thoughts, the transparency of thought is often easier to see in these light passing thoughts, in the big ones that we really get caught up in and are rooted you know, in the defilements in one way or another, we may have to do a little work first to ex- extricate ourselves from that identification. But with the quickly passing thoughts, the light ones, if we can become aware of them, their transparent nature becomes so apparent. And thought begins to lose its power over the mind. So as you go through the day, and especially in the context of what I spoke of yesterday morning, holding that embodied framework, there is a body. Within that framework, we can be aware not only of what's arising in the body, different sensations or the breath, but within that framework, we can also become aware of thoughts arising. The second arena of observation, of mindfulness, which we often overlook, is becoming mindful of moods. Now, moods are different than emotions. Emotions generally have a particular trigger, and they're usually stronger. And most of the time we're aware of an emotion when it arises. And we may be caught in it and lost in it, but there's, there's a more powerful presence to an emotion. Moods are much more diffuse. It's like the background coloration of the mind. And often we're looking through the mood. We're perceiving the world, perceiving ourselves through the filter of the mood. And we're not even aware that the mood is there. And the mood can be either wholesome or unwholesome. Sometimes, sometimes the mood is one of calm, you know, or peace. Sometimes it's just cloudy. We're moody in one way or another. You know, we feel down. Or bright. If we, if we don't check in <clears throat> with our mind states, with these moods, then unknowingly we become identified with them. 
I'm feeling this way or I'm feeling that way. And we're not aware of the moods themselves as simply another arising conditioned experience. Not I, not self, not mine. It could be helpful through the day, periodically, just to check in. How am I feeling in the sense of, what is the mood in the mind right now? And what I find interesting about this is that we can't pinpoint it. It's not a definitive object. You know, a thought has a definite beginning, middle, and end. And even though it may be subtle or quickly passing, it's a discrete experience. Moods are much less discrete. And so being mindful of mood is not so much trying to pinpoint it as a specific object. It has much more to do with settling back and simply opening or being receptive to the feeling. It's like becoming aware perhaps of fog. it's It's not any specific thing that we can locate and yet we can become aware of it. So as you do your practice during the day, there is a body, using that as just the grounding framework. It's grounded enough so that we don't simply get lost in what's happening, and it's open enough so that we can become aware of whatever is arising within the framework without narrowing the attention. Aware there is a body. Mindful. of any sensations that are arising. Mindful of the body breathing. Aware of sounds. Staying particularly alert for the arising of thought. And with the predominant ones being mindful of their content. Are they rooted in the wholesome or the unwholesome? And looking directly at times at the nature of thought. Seeing its empty transparency, nothing much there.
and periodically checking in with the mood in the mind, the background mood. Seeing that too as not I, not mine, not self. <laughs> 